Let's take off, baby. Let's just drive, honey, into the night sky, to the sunset shine, into the day, baby. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. This is Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. Before you know it, the cold and snow will be completely gone for another season. So it's time to get ready for the warm weather at the ultimate sports show. The Etzel and Eleanor Ford House is a place where you get a glimpse of what life must have been like for an iconic Michigan family. From high-speed indoor go-karts to axe throwing, you find it all at high-caliber karting in Okemos. And an unlikely place in Michigan is taking center stage to celebrate the 125th year of the automobile. We travel Michigan next, where your trip begins at Michigan.org. Let's go traveling. Let's go traveling. Welcome to Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. I'm really happy to be back with you again this week. Uh, Any opportunity I have to talk about the place I love so much, uh, the place that we call Pure Michigan, any opportunity is always a welcome one. I love to do it. And I'm telling you right now, if you can stick around for the entire hour, you're going to love hearing from our guests because we're going to hear about some really cool places and some really neat events. So let's get right to it for today by heading to Grand Rapids, Michigan's second biggest city and a really great place to find out about our really great event that's coming up very soon. It's called the Ultimate Sport Show, and it's coming to DeVos Place in just a few days. Uh, Ben Nielsen is show manager for Showspan. Showspan manages the entire show. Ben, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. So how long has this show been going on, the Ultimate Sports Show? It seems like I've been hearing about this forever. Well, you would be correct on that. (laughs) Uh, We're we're very fortunate. This year we are in our 78th year of the Ultimate Sports Show Grand Rapids. Wow. That's, That's something else. That has to be one of the oldest shows of its kind. Yeah, it really is. Um, you know, I don't know that we've ever done any kind of a nationwide search or anything like yeah. that, but uh, I know we got to be right up there at the top. Yeah. Well, there's a reason why um, shows only last so long if they're providing what people are looking for. And, you know, it's, you, you've perfectly positioned this show uh, by, you know, this time of the year. People are, you know, done with winter for the most part. There's still people up in the UP snowmobiling and, and there's still a little bit of skiing left to be done. But people are looking forward to the warm weather. So what are they going to find when they come to the ultimate sports show? So the sports show is really about, you know, celebrating the outdoors. And specifically, we kind of take a deep dive really mostly into the fishing side of things. So there's going to be a lot of different fishing activities at the show. Uh, and once again, timing-wise, you know, we've done some ice fishing and, you know, well, you know, this year the weather's been kind of off on that. But we're really thinking about spring. You know, we're, we're, we're starting to smell those smells and, and thinking about getting out there and going fishing again in the great state. And so this show uh, really does kind of get people going uh, and thinking about spring fishing. Well, speaking of fishing, I know you have a big indoor lake. Uh, do kids actually get to fish in this lake? Is that one of those types of, of experiences? Yeah, we do have, well, we have a couple of different fishing opportunities for kids. Uh, one of them is Lake Ultimate, and we do offer some fishing in Lake Ultimate. 
Uh, it's also another seminar stage for us. So we have some of the different seminar leaders up there as well. But uh, so we have Lake Ultimate and we also have a separate trout pond. So uh, plenty of uh, opportunity for kids to fish. We love that. You know, maybe you've got a kid that's an avid fisherman already. That's great. Uh, but maybe you have a kid that's never tried fishing before. And so this is a great opportunity to get them down there and uh, get them hooked so to speak. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, speaking of hooked, I, I know you have antique lures. And, you know, I'm not an angler myself. I've gone out a few times. But I am a bit fascinated with folks who tie lures and, um, you know, the kind of like fishing lures for uh, fly fishing. That's that's a pretty neat thing. It really is an art form. There's no doubt. I mean, you know, I've tried it. I'm not very good at it. Um, but I But I do enjoy it. But what some of these guys can do with, you know, feathers and thread and everything else and making something, I mean, literally come alive on a hook. Uh, it really is uh, pretty amazing what they can do. And they'll be down there doing that. Um, and on the antique lure side, uh, Terry McBurney will be down there. He's kind of an expert in those antique lures. And, you know, maybe you've got that, you know, grandpa's tackle box in the, in the garage that you've had. And uh, you can bring him down there. He'll appraise them for you, let you know if there's anything, you know, in there. Some of these lures have gotten quite valuable. Yeah, I, I saw like a photo exhibit of antique lures. Uh, it might have been for Art Prize. I'm not sure, but it was beautiful. It really shows you yeah. kind of the, the artistic work that goes into it, as, as you say. Now, I see you have uh, wood carvers there. You have a hog trough, whatever that is. You mentioned the, <laughs> the, the trout pond and, and the big indoor lake. So you have all these experiential things, but you're also going to have experts there to, to show us how to go fishing and where to go fishing and hunting and doing outdoor things. Sounds like there's there's something for everybody. There really is something there for everybody. And and, and I'll touch back on on the hog trough here real quick. It's not for feeding pigs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it is a, basically a semi-truck-sized aquarium that we bring in. Mm. Uh, and it, it's filled with fish, a lot of the fish that you would see on the local lakes around here. And it's another spot where our seminar leaders can do seminar presentations where they cast a lure into this aquarium, and you can actually see the lure perform and see how a fish would react to that lure. So kind of a different uh, perspective. It's like taking a slice out of the water and being able to kind of look at it from the side, um, which is a, which is a great uh, experience for that. And, you know, when it comes to the seminars, there really is something there for everybody. So, you know, from going fishing with, um, you know, your, your, your child or grandchild on the dock at the cottage all the way up to, you know, serious top-level tournament fishing for walleye and bass, there really is kind of everything in between uh, here at the show. So we, we bring in some national names that are going to be people that you would watch on some of your television screens. But we also bring in a lot of the local charter captains, the guys that know this water. They can speak to the water that we have here in Michigan uh, and really give you some great tips. I'm guessing that they're going to have like gear there and maybe, you know, uh, fishing boats and things to look at. Absolutely. Great place to look for the fishing boat for this spring and an amazing place to look for those lures. There's going to be a lot of fishing tackle at this show this year. And a lot of this stuff is really only available once a year at this show. These guys travel all over the country and uh, you don't find them on the Internet. You don't find them in a lot of these other places. You've got to come to the show and see what they've got. Well, as much as I love winter, I am ready to start thinking about warm weather. I bet you are, too. So the website to find out more uh, will uh, kind of get you ready to head to Grand Rapids. Here's a website, ultimatesportshow.com. ultimatesportshow.com. Go there, find out more. The show is the 9th through the 12th of this month, so it's just a few days away. You're not going to want to miss it. We want to thank Ben Nielsen 
for joining us today. We're going to head to the Detroit area next, and we're going to check out the Edsel and Eleanor Ford House here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. Uh, one of the things I love doing when I travel around Michigan is look at um, various buildings. I'm kind of an architecture geek. I, I never really studied architecture. I, I really don't know a lot about it, but I do love design of buildings. There's really something special about how they used to make houses and buildings, and they still make some of them really cool in more modern ways. But there was just a time when um, buildings were really special. And one of them that I've really grown to admire is known as the Etzel and Eleanor Ford House. It's really special. And it's just one of the reasons why you should check out that really special place. Let's talk to Tommy Carr. He is Director of Communications and Engagement, what we know as the Ford House. Tommy, uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on and to celebrate this unique space that we have. Sure is unique. Uh, here you are, the uh, uh, Etzel and Eleanor Ford House in Gross Point Shores. Uh, tell us about this really unique place and how it came to be where it is today. Yeah, so uh, originally, back in the early 20s, Henry Ford was looking for a place to develop his own home and property. And he purchased this property out at Gawkler Point in Gross Point and was just in love with it. But then he also fell in love with Dearborn and made a decision to build his property there, making way for his son Edsel to purchase this property from Henry. Uh, Edsel and Eleanor built this beautiful home, uh, very inspired by the English Cotswold style. Uh, the home itself uh, evokes the feeling of being in an English village, and the family lived there uh, all the way through Eleanor's passing in the 70s, at which point she, turned, uh, through her will, turned the home over to a trust and asked that it be maintained for public experiences, public enjoyment, and education for the years to come. And that's where we are today in uh, bringing people uh, the opportunity to wonder, wander, and explore the grounds and be inspired by something that might make them make a, a big impact on the future. Well, it's great that they opened up that, that house and, and left the, um, the land available for everybody to, to visit today. It, it does really capture a, a piece of time in American history and certainly uh, Michigan and Detroit history as well because of these very important people, Edsel and Eleanor Ford. Tell us about them. Edsel was uh, the only son of Henry and Clara Ford. Uh, he became a president of the Ford Motor Company for many years and was instrumental in early design. He was very interested in design of the car and the car as artwork. Uh, Eleanor was uh, from the family that brought us Hudson's department store. Um, so, you know, at the time, uh, being part of that social circle was uh, very important, and that's what brought the two of them together. They actually met at a dance class when they were very young, um, and the rest, so they say, is history. But uh, Edsel actually uh, passed in the 40s. Uh, he, he lived on the property 
for a number of years, uh, but after he was gone, Eleanor stayed, ensured that the property continued thriving for the entire extended Ford family, uh, often had celebrations, debutante balls, uh, various family events here, and events for Ford Motor Company. Well, it's, it's and, just such a cool place, too, and to think that all that happened on those grounds um, is is a really neat thing. Um, and it is a big place. You know, the house itself is really big, but, but the grounds themselves... Right. The home itself is a little over 30,000 uh, square feet, 87 acres of property here, um, and all of which we utilize. <laughs> Folks can come and enjoy the house itself. They can come enjoy the grounds. And, of course, they can come and check out the brand-new uh, visitor center and administration building that's here to support our education and visitor experiences. Yeah, that, that building is really something else. And to, to give a little more context, you know, you have that original home, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. Cotswell style, as you say. But your Welcome Center uh, facility is really something. Uh, I've had some meetings there, and uh, up on the kind of the second floor, there are big glass walls mm-hmm. or glass windows where you kind of get to look over the, the campus, so to speak. What a great idea, uh, because for people who want to go there and just wander around, you can do that, but it's a great meeting space as well. Exactly, and the really unique thing about these two new buildings is, uh, again, inspired by Edsel and Eleanor's uh, pursuit of sustainability and inspiration, these buildings were designed to be effectively carbon neutral. So we very strategically made sure that what we were doing here wouldn't have a negative impact on the environment. And in fact, we actually took some of the trees that were taken down to make room for these new spaces, were repurposed into the woodwork for a lot of the furniture that you see in these two new properties. Ah, perfect. Uh, well, you mentioned sustainability. I know you do have like a, um, a member program where you can be a, a sustaining member of the Edsel and Eleanor Ford home. And if you are a member, not only can you know that you help continue the mission of of uh, keeping this space available for the future, but you get to go to special events. Like I know you have a botany and brews experience and some other things. Um, so people should check into that. But for, for everybody, they need to know they can visit this house, they can tour it, and there are some special exhibits and programs that you offer quite often. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. Yeah. The, you know, any guest can come and enjoy the visitor center and the exhibits within that absolutely free of charge. Uh, if they want to do a ground exploration or visit the house, there are tickets available for that. But we're really excited about these new exhibits that are coming in. Uh, one that people may already be familiar with is Driven by Design, which looks at some of the cars that Edsel had an actual hand in the design and creation of. Um, that exhibit, which is currently in our visitor center, is going to move into the original garage at the gatehouse leading into the property. So guests will be able to see those cars in the environment where they uh, would have been when Eleanor would ring the chauffeur and ask for the car to be brought up. Uh, We'll actually be adding cars to that one as well. And then our brand new exhibit will open June 1st in our visitor center. And that is our Making It Work. And that's a new exhibition that chronicles the lives of the staff that helped make the Ford House you know, a warm and wonderful family home for Edsel, Eleanor, their children, and the entire extended family. So we'll look at individuals who worked for the family and what that experience was like when they were here managing this amazing estate. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of an exhibit 
that features the people who worked there rather than the people who own the place. That's really unique. Yeah, it's and it's important to us because they were as much a part of the history of the home as the family, um, and they were extremely well taken care of. And that's part of the story that that we want to relate that. Eleanor and Etzel really cared about the people that supported them uh, by providing either housing, uh, transportation, a lot of great stories about uh, the staff here being able to have somebody drive them to a doctor's appointment or into the city to make a banking transaction. Uh, It's just a really wonderful story, and we're very excited to be able to tell it and share some of the news about, you know, maybe some... uh, Listeners, family members might have been part of that yeah, exhibit. That's true. Well, everybody knows Henry Ford, uh, you know, starting the Ford Motor Company, becoming the richest person in the world at one time, and and then having this kind of, you know, challenged relationship with his son, Etzel. But they may not know that Etzel was very much a part of um, helping America win World War II with Ford being involved in the arsenal, democracy. And uh, mm-hmm. I know he kind of pulled his father into working on aircraft. And uh, that, of course, ended up being very important as well. It's a fascinating story. Uh, Etzel and Eleanor Ford, uh, equally interesting and fascinating as Etzel's father, Henry. And you can learn all about that. You can also find out how they lived in this really special place. So you should check it out. Uh, it is in Gross Point Shores, and that's just a little bit north and east, I think it is, of downtown Detroit. Uh, pretty easy to get to once you get to downtown. Just kind of take the, what, Jefferson, I think it is, all the way out there. It's a pretty cool place. Check it out on the website and then head there this year. It is at fordhouse.org. Our thanks to Tommy Carr for being with us today. And we're going to check out go-karting in the Lansing area next here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. There are so many things you can see and do in the state of Michigan. Many of them are, you know, nature experiences. Others are in the middle of a really big, vibrant city. And then there are these things you can do where you can kind of make of it whatever you want because we have these really cool attractions. One of them is called High Caliber Carting. Carting with a K. Carting. And this is in Okemos. And I I have to tell you, you really need to go and check it out. Um, I think they call themselves Michigan's number one indoor action and entertainment park. And I bet they're right. Let's find out by talking to Jordan Munsters. Jordan is CEO and owner of High Caliber Karting in Okemos. Jordan, it's great to talk to you again. It's good talking to you too again, Dave. You know, I remember when you first opened up, we had you on the program. Uh, You were just starting out. You had a you know, a nice go-kart track. You had, uh, I think, just the axe throwing and maybe a couple other things. But, man, you've really grown, and this is such a cool place. Before we go too far, tell us where we, where you are and uh, then give us a little intro to high-caliber karting. Okay. Well, um, yeah, you're right. When we first uh, met, it was we were 80,000 square foot. So 
by no means small. Uh, we're located in the Meridian Mall in Okemos, Michigan, right over by East Lansing, uh, MSU's campus, not terribly far from there. Um, since you've had a chance to visit, we've added another 25,000 square foot. So when we say we're the number one indoor action park, it's because we are just the biggest by far. Mm. Um, we kept all the stuff over at our old space. Uh, so we have two high-speed go-kart tracks. Uh, we have our rage rooms, which are rooms that you go into. You can smash a bunch of stuff. You have protective gear. Um, it's a blast to do with your friends. Throw you know wine bottles at the wall or smash a television. It's uh, just a... <laughs> surprisingly it's something really fun i remember the first time i heard about it i was like that's an interesting concept but then when you go do it, it's like man i want to do that again um so we got restaurant bar arcade just all sorts of fun stuff but we've added that twenty-five thousand square foot where we have live music we have karaoke we've got trivia we added a bar with 32 taps our battlefield that has archery tag jelly blaster arena uh vip rooms football bowling lanes we have 16 of those we uh, doubled down on our axe throwing lane so we have 16 of those and it's just this beautiful expansive space with just this really cool custom lighting and we brought in a ton of artists to be involved with it so it's just a very unique space for people to come experience unique to say the least and a lot <laughs> of fun and so uh, the uh, the ages that that um, people who come there are basically spanning from young to to very old or is it uh, just for adults yeah no we have a we have a, a wide span so typically we 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 tend to focus on the adult audience um so we are an adult action park where does a lot of things we do are competitive and very extreme but we also have activities for the entire family so the arcade uh the jelly blaster arena the uh pocket soccer which is this like uh, you're playing pool, but with soccer balls. Like like billiards on the ground that you kind of kick the balls? Yep, yep. We make sure that it fits because, you know, with having fun as adults, we also like to have fun with our kids. So we make sure that we me- we measure, uh, making sure everybody has something available for themselves and their what their interests are. And actually, this is nobody really knows this yet, so this is new for you guys. We have ordered a fleet of junior carts. And oh, these nice. are the most fun. They're these, they, they go all the way down to four years old, and they are so fun. They're Grand Prix-style carts. They still got four-point harnesses. There's a higher uh, safety control system that goes with it. Uh, that sounds like fun, and I can't imagine that those those kid carts, uh, so to speak, are going to go as fast as these ones that you have for adults. These are not just your everyday uh, go-karts. No, no. they are. Uh, we imported these from Italy. Um, these are Grand Prix-style go-karts. They're capable of doing over 50 miles an hour. Uh, when we connect our two tracks, we have this thing called Mega Track, where we connect the two together to make one of the just this gigantic long track. And I mean, people are reaching speeds in the upper 30s on that track. Uh, so, and the really high league professional people will hit the 40 mile an hour mark indoors. Yeah, well, I've tried to do that, and I'll tell you, when you go from turn to turn, in fact, you and I uh, went out and uh, did a little uh, a little run through the tracks. You're really good at it, by the way. It sounds like you're there every day, and uh, it's not fair, but it, it was a lot of fun. I got a little dizzy, in fact, going around so fast. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot of G-forces when you're doing those corners and everything. We also did the smaller track, but you didn't do too bad yourself. I think you took a solid second place. I, I did. That's true. And we'll, re- <laughs> we'll remember that. So now now remind us, um, I think you were doing some kind of a combat karting thing as well? Yes. So we are the only people in the world with this. We actually developed this ourselves. 
long time ago we got interested in doing a real-life Mario Kart, and everybody's always thought that that was a really cool thing. But um, we've put millions of dollars into developing this project, and we have succeeded. So uh, you have a heads-up display in front of your cart. As you race around the track, it projects up what your weapon, your shield, your your power-ups, everything, your ammunition count, your position. So as you race around the track, you gain these additional weapons and power-ups. We have targets that are strategically placed around the track that when you shoot them, they blast off a fog machine and it will hit, uh, it, it'll send out different weapons and stuff to everybody on the track, like an EMP that will jam everybody's weapons and slow their carts down so you can fly through traffic. Like We've all been stuck in rush hour traffic where we're like, man, I wish I could just like blast these cars out of the way. <sighs> it's the same thing on the racetrack. We go out there and you have people that you just want to get out of your way. Now you can. You actually shoot them. It physically, their cart will like light up and it'll physically slow their cart down so that you can do a pass. And then you have a shield that you can prevent them from shooting you back. It deflects shots, gives you speed boost to it. It's an absolute blast. You you found a way to bring the virtual into re- the reality and uh, just add to the fun of go-karting. It, it is a lot of fun, by the way. You know, our team uh, went to high caliber karting uh, over the holidays and we had a holiday gathering there. What a great idea if you have a group of friends or colleagues that you want to have a little bonding experience or just get together, because there were so many things you can do there. Give us an idea what groups do when they come. Man, they, they do everything. So one of the things I've noticed was like since the uh, COVID, everybody did these remote work. There was a lot of separation. And it seems like getting people to have that connection and rhythm in their businesses has been really difficult with their staff. So we bring them here. Now, we have a cool thing that we do, which is uh, we, can, we call them extreme trust balls, um, just kind of make it a play on the team building stuff. But, uh, for example, we have one where when they're racing around the track, one person is actually blindfolded and they have a comm system. And another person is guiding them around the track. And they're, they can't hit barriers, they can't hit other cards, and there's cones of doom on the track that if they hit it, they're completely out for and they have a relay between three people. And what it does is we work through them to help them understand how important communication is and how you have to talk to how the person that's the, – the person who has the eyes is trying to explain to the person who's racing what to do next. You can't tell them what to do based off of how you feel like it needs to be done. You need to be able to put yourself in the shoes of the person who's racing. So we go through this experience, and we've got several of these with axe throwing, with the jelly blasters. And when we're done, we have somebody who comes in and they coach the session, say, okay, what did you learn from this? What did you see that was beneficial here? And they try to tie that into a business sense. I worked for a company, uh, Bridgestone, that was wonderful at doing this stuff. They really tried to make things where it was unique experiences that pulled you out of the typical and got you thinking of, wow, how does that apply in real life? Because it, it really does. But you can do that or you can do just have people have a VIP room, give them all access, let them drink, let them have fun, let them just celebrate together because there's no better way to bond with people than to compete against one another well we had a we had a, like a lunch in there i don't know if we brought food in or whether you offer food as well we have a really good catering team here we can do uh we've done groups of i think 600 with catering that's uh, it was really impressive and i will say i did remember how to throw a football because you also have is that called feather ball you you had um uh you throw a, a football into like billiard pins yeah um, so it's a combination of football and bowling. Uh, you're going to be set up across one another from 38 feet. It's going to be a wonderful way to remind you that you're not good at throwing a football. Yeah. Um, and you're trying to knock down the pins on the other side. I, I was impressed that I could remember how to throw that thing. And it was a lot of fun. I, I have to tell you, folks, uh, you're going to just 
love it uh, when you go to high caliber carding in Okemos. Jordan, um, if people want to have groups there, uh, do they have to let you know like well in advance? Uh, how far in advance would you recommend? At least two weeks in advance. Uh, we book out really well on the weekends. Uh, we get a lot of events and stuff that comes in. But we have a full dedicated events team with multiple employees in there that they know how to host it. So the big thing for us is when you're hosting an event, we don't want you to have to be the host. We don't want you to have to wrangle your team and guide them and direct them of where they need to go. Let us handle it. Have fun with your team. That's what's important when you take your team out. Yeah, it was a great deal of fun. And, of course, you're just going with the family. You're going to love it, love it, love it as well. Here's the website to find out more. And uh, make sure to check it out. You can even get gift cards either for your group or your your friends. Maybe you want to gift some some friends in advance. Here's the website. It is highcalibercarting.com. And that is carting with a K, highcalibercarting.com. Our thanks to Jordan Munsters from High Caliber Carting in Okemos. It's a blast. My friends, you need to check it out. And I think it's a great example of what we're going to see all over the country at malls one of these days soon. We're going to head to the Mackinac region next, right here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Travel Michigan. I'm Dave Lorenz from Pure Michigan. And quite often as we talk to our guests, we ask them, so what's new with you and, uh, you know, whoever you're representing? It is kind of funny to think what's new with history, because our next guest is going to talk about the history of that uh, tip of the mitt area we know as the Mackinac region. Uh, Dominic Miller is chief of marketing at the Mackinac State Historic Parks. Uh, Dominic, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks, Dave. I uh, appreciate you having me today. We need to explain uh, because there are, what, 106, I think, state parks in Michigan, something like that. And, you know, we have millions of acres of uh, state and federal forest and, you know, trails and all these different state and federal parks all over the place. But you represent a really unique part of the of the park experience in historic parks. Tell us about that. Yeah, Mackin Island State Park was was Michigan's first state park. Um, uh, it was originally a national park, so there's um, you know there's that that interesting caveat with that right off the bat. And um, you know what makes you know Mackinac so unique is it was um, it's been part of the Michigan story almost since the beginning you know, of, of of Michigan being a thing. Um, you know it's it's been a protected area, a, uh, a sought after area for for generations and. Um, being able to be a, a part of the the stewardship of that that gorgeous uh, park on Mackin Island is, is something that I I treasure, and it's um you know it's a place that you know millions of people want want to visit um you know pretty much annually. So it's um it's just it's something that's just um it's it's truly an incredible place to get to to get to live and work. Well, if you think about it, you could even call it the prehistoric parks because Mackinac Island in itself has been so important to the Native American tribes for well, for eons, um, as a, a special gathering place. And, of course, it, people gather there for other reasons these days, including the really great state park assets there. So let's let's kind of go through the various parks that you have that you represent in that region. You can start in wherever you want and kind of move from there. Well, since 
we're talking about Mackinac Island. We'll we'll start there on Mackinac Island. Um, uh, Fort Mackinac is uh, it's a national historic landmark. Um, it dates to the Revolutionary War. Um, so as you as you mentioned in the in the opening, um, you know what's new in history. But you know at Fort Mackinac, it's uh, the great thing about you know history is that we're we're always learning. We're always um, discovering something new. And um, what we're talking about at Fort Mackinac is a, an interesting time frame in the nation's history. Mackinac Island is the headquarters as a, as a national park. Fort Mackinac is the headquarters of that national park. So not really a conflict going on there, but there's still an active military um, installation there. So you know we're going to still fire the cannon. We're going to fire rifles, but we're also going to talk about who the people were, who who was here at Fort Mackinac hmm. in the 1880s when it was a national park, and you know the army is is made up um, primarily of immigrants in that time frame. There are women and children living in the fort, um, so we can kind of um, you know go through and show what the experience was for all these people. So we're really going to take a deeper dive um, in who was made up of Fort Mackinac uh, historically. So we're looking forward to that um, this summer. Uh, continuing on Mackinac, we have our art museum down below the the fort there in Marquette Park. We have a brand new juried installation going in there this year um, called the Mackinac Day. Uh, we'll have 20 to 22 um, pieces on display in there. Uh, a juror will, will select a best in show and several other places. Uh, that'll be on display May through October. We also have a couple of portraits that we purchased um, of Colonel DePeister and his wife, Rebecca. They were the, the commandant and his wife at Michelamackinac, historically. Hmm. Um, but they're original images. Um, we purchased them. It's really kind of the only ones known of DePeister and, and his wife. Uh, so those will go on display in the Art Museum this summer as well, and we're very excited about having those original pieces back home in Michigan. Wow. Well, and then Michelamackinac is back on the mainland uh, in Mackinac City, right? That's correct. And Colonial Michelamackinac is the precursor to Fort Mackinac. So without Fort Michelamackinac, there's no Fort Mackinac. They moved that over during the American Revolution. And, and over there, um, we have a different year that we talk about every year. It's going to be 1780 at Colonial Michelamackinac this summer, uh, just as the fort is being moved over to the island. And we're going to explore um, the, the person in charge there had a little bit of paranoia. There was a little mutiny happening within the, in the ranks there. Um, so we're going to really dig into those themes over at, at Michelamackinac this summer. should be um, um, a mischievous summer there at Colonial Michelamackinac. That's, that's cool. Now, in addition to these two forts, uh, what other park assets do you have up there? Oh, sure. On Mackinac Island, you mentioned the uh, the Native American uh, history of Mackinac Island. Um, we have uh, the, the Biddle House. It was um, Edward and Agatha Biddle's home. Uh, Agatha was uh, an, an Odawa woman who, who lived there. Um, she was a high-ranking member of the of you know the Odawa people. And uh, we have the Mackinac Island Native American Museum located inside that house. And we have daily interpretation going on, um, a lot of history of the Anishinaabek people of Mackinac Island and how that's a continuing story today. So that's down on Market Street. Um, oh, back over in Mackinac City, uh, we have uh, across from Colonial Michelin Mackinac, right at the base of the Mackinac Bridge, we have Old Mackinac Point Lighthouse, um, which was the uh, guiding beacon on the Straits for about 60 years, was decommissioned when the bridge was opened. Um, so we have um, daily programs happening there. You can get a great view of the Mackinac Bridge, learn about shipwrecks in the Straits. And then just a little outside of Mackinac City, we have historic Mill Creek Discovery Park, which oh, yeah. is one of the 
oldest industrial sites in the Straits of Mackinac region. Uh, we have a, a water-powered sawmill, so you can feel the awesome power of the water, kind of making the whole house shake as they're getting that sawmill up and running. And then there's also a high ropes element out there, a forest adventure experience, uh, which takes you um, kind of through the forest, uh, above it, through it, in it, under it. Um, so you get kind of the full experience of the uh, north woods of Michigan out there at Historic Mill Creek. Yeah, I've done it all. I've enjoyed all of those places and experiences. It's also a place where you don't drive cars, but that hasn't always been the case, has it? Uh, that's correct. You know, and, and there's so many things that make Mackin Island special. Um, you know, the fort dominating the harbor in downtown, Grand Hotel with everything that's amazing about that place up on the bluff, you know, the fudge downtown. But I think what truly makes the island special is that lack of automobiles, that you can enjoy all those things while a horse is slowly clip-clopping by you. And um, But that wasn't always the case. Um, you know, somebody brought a car over to the island in the uh, 1890s, <laughs> drove that noisy contraption down the road at, you know, frighten some horses, also frighten some carriage tour drivers that can recognize pretty quickly that, you know, their livelihood may be at stake there. Uh, so uh, the council, city council on Mackin Island quickly banded together and, and banned those horseless carriages, um, you know, pretty much as soon as they appeared on Mackin Island. Uh, and that was 125 years ago uh, this summer. So 2023 marks that 125th anniversary of that automobile ban on Mackin Island. Um, I don't think they did it with an eye toward history, but my goodness, I'm so thankful that they did. Um, that makes uh, just Mackin Island is just the, the cherry on top of what makes that that place so special. Yeah. Now, are you going to just take a chance and actually have an old car there on the island to demonstrate the fact that at one time there were cars on the island? You know what? We um we, we are going to actually. Huh. Um, so we're uh, we're excited. We uh, we partnered with Gilmore Car Museum. They're going to send us an 1886 locomobile up to the island. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna take it on a demonstration. We're gonna drive it down Market Street, kind of show what this would have looked like historically. Uh, then it'll be up on display up behind the fort, and um, so people will get a chance to see, you know, what a car looks like on Mackin Island, especially one that's period appropriate to when the uh, when the car was banned on Mackin Island. That that's really cool because really it, it, the Gilmore Car Museum is a great place, and to think that uh, you're working with them, what a what a great synergistic opportunity of historical. Uh, high points of Michigan working together. It's a great thing. So anything in particular, like is there going to be one big day when we're going to be able to enjoy this uh, anniversary of the automobile ban? Yeah, we chose uh, July 22nd. I kind of fit into the schedule quite well. The car will be on display outside of Fort Mackinac throughout the day. But all summer, um, you know, one thing that we're doing is um, our former director, Phil Porter, uh, is still very involved with the organization, and he uh, is actually writing a new publication about the automobile ban. So that will be uh, published right when the season kind of kicks off in May. Um, so that'll be available for purchase, um, you know, to kind of explore the, the automobile ban. He found some great stories that, you know, a lot of us hadn't read or seen before. So uh, that'll be exciting. But uh, July 22nd is the day that that car will be on the island and we'll do some of the, um, the display of it and kind of let people take a look at it. It's a cool idea. It's all happening in the area of Mackinac Island. To find out more, go to MackinawParks.com. That's Mackinac with a C, Parks.com. Our thanks to Dominic Miller for being with us today. And that's all the time we have for Travel Michigan. We'll talk to you next week here on Travel Michigan, where your trip begins at michigan.org. Let's go traveling.